Today's episode of The Upsell is brought to you by Freshly. We all live busy lives, and unfortunately, there aren't enough hours in the day to get everything done. Freshly is the easiest and most convenient way to eat healthy, no matter what life throws your way. Freshly's team of chefs create all-natural, gluten-free dinners and deliver them fresh to your door. So even if you get stuck at work late, you can still come home to a delicious dinner cooked by a chef. No more worrying about having to figure out what's for dinner, and especially, no mess to clean up after. The best part about Freshly is the number of comfort meals that they have that are also super-duper healthy, like the buffalo chicken or the chicken parm. And you can customize your weekly meal from their constantly changing, rotating menu of more than 30 chef-crafted options. There is no weekly commitment, so you only get deliveries when you want them. Check out this week's menu created by Freshly's Chefs and get $25 off your first order of six chef-cooked dinners, plus free shipping by going to freshly.com upsell. You'll feel so relieved to come home to a chef-cooked meal every night with Freshly. That is freshly.com upsell for $25 off your first order. Order today to see what life is like when you no longer have to think about dinner. Welcome to the Eater Upsell, part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is Amanda Clute, the editor-in-chief of Eater, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dan Janine. Amanda Clute, we have a, another special episode. Very the, special episode. The Eater Upsell today. We are talking about all things dessert in 2018. We're going to start with a conversation with Allison Roman, who has a cookie recipe that is going viral. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk a little bit about what she did to kind of make this happen, unbeknownst to her, what she did to make this happen. So we're going to talk to her about uh, how much of it was conscious and how much of it really affected cookbook sales. Then we're going to talk to our in-house pastry expert, Daniela Galarza. She is a trained pastry chef. Is going to talk about what she does to support the pastry arts and things you might not know that you can do to support pastry chefs. Yeah, how important it is to order dessert and what... And how you're a bad person whenever you say no to the mm-hmm. dessert menu. And then... And then, we to are cap doing it off... A special segment with our friend... Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, Joe House. Of uh, the Ringer's House of Carbs podcast. Can you do podcast. it? Can you do the thing? Uh, so when, when he opens his show, he goes like, House of... <laughs> Carbs. That was a pretty good impression. That was okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll ask him how he did. He is from Washington, so we brought him in because he's a sports guy, he's a food guy, and we got him to do a bracket style tournament to find out which is Manhattan's best cookie. And he gets real energetic. And the results will surprise you. Yep, the results may surprise you. If you like this episode, please subscribe. Please rate us in the platform of your choice. Uh, please email us if you have any comments or would like us to tackle any subjects. Uh, and please tell all your friends and family about us so we can keep this going. Allison Roman, welcome to the Eater Upsell. Hi, thanks for having me. So for today's dessert-themed show, we wanted to talk about your cookie recipe because mm-hmm. we all noticed that it's everywhere. It's and kind of all of a crazy. sudden, like your book came out in October, and in the last month, I've been seeing it all over Instagram. The book is called Dining In. Tell us about the cookie. Well, famous cookie. Okay. So I wrote down the cookie heard around the world, and then I was like reading it. I'm like, I'm not going to say that. Why? Well, no, just just no, I just said it. Yeah. yeah. Now well, everyone I'm going to steal that. <laughs> I'm taking that. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I explain it in the book, and I didn't want to come off sounding like one of those people that has an opinion or a hot take just to have an opinion or a hot take, although I am full of those. But I truly don't think that chocolate chip cookies are ever that great. I think that, you know, even the best one that you have, it's probably warm. 
there's probably a memory associated with it. It's like this deep nostalgia. But everyone that you have is like, oh, this isn't as good as that X cookie I had or whatever. Like it's just never, never lives up to the expectation. And I think they're too sweet. I think the chocolate distribution is weird. I think that also they're they're too divisive, right? If you mm. have an idea of what a chocolate chip cookie is and you have an idea of what a chocolate chip cookie is, it's probably not the same cookie. Right. Someone might like a crispy cookie. Someone might like a right. chewy. more chewy cookie mm-hmm. or thick or thin or yeah. small or big. Or I have not put this together, but my perfect chocolate chip cookie is the first one I had. You're right. Yeah. I didn't want to create something that was going to leave someone be like, this isn't as good as this chocolate chip cookie or this. And I'm not trying to play that game. I wasn't trying to compete, really. And so I wanted to kind of create something new altogether. Like, I'd rather New paradigm. Yeah, I I wanted to take myself out of that game and and start a new game, I guess. So it started with shortbread, which I think is the perfect cookie anyway. And then I basically just added chocolate to it. And to make it more chocolate chip cookie-esque, I... Added some brown sugar, which is not typically found in a shortbread, and vanilla extract, also not typically found. The ratios are slightly different than a shortbread, but um, people have asked me, can I make this shortbread without the chocolate? The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. It will be delicious. But, you know, I think the crispy edges also sort of emulate what you want if you are a crispy edge chocolate chip cookie fan, which if I had to pick one, that would be mine. And, um, and yeah, and it was born. It was born And and there's a salty butter component. The salty butter component, yeah. And I'm not a huge fan of baking with salted butter because I think it, there's too much variable in the rest of the recipe. And, you know, not all desserts need to be super salty. Mm-hmm. But I think the size of these cookies um, lend themselves to being, like, they're to me, they're a snack. You know, huh. they are sweet in nature and it is a dessert, I suppose, because it is a cookie. That's like the whole, like, is a taco sandwich. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a rabbit hole conversation but is a cookie a snack yes yeah so cookie i think of this as a snack you know more than a dessert it's not as much of a commitment exactly Mm -hmm. yeah i mean and you can have five you know it's not like you're gonna feel overindulgent if you do i have and when did the cookie start going nuts on well you know it's interesting it was a slow burn i think my book came out at the end of october in 2017 which is a really busy time for cookbooks as you know and you're up against really famous people with with big cookbooks and so you kind of you know it's like small fish and big pond style and so i think after the holidays when i think a lot of books were gifted and so come january people started cooking from these books you know in the holidays it's home cooking can be really challenging and even though it was kind of cookie season. So that's when I started noticing the uptick was around like the week before Christmas when people were doing cookie swaps and holiday parties and such. But really it was January. And I think just people started cooking from it more. And you see one cookie, then you want to make the cookie. It's, it's, yeah. Were they tagging you? They were tagging me in almost every post. And so I started screenshotting all of the stories and posting them. And I was trying to do every single one and I was succeeding. But (laughs) now I have... I, it's it's literally impossible. Um, I also would not be able to get anything else done if that's all I did. Um, so I'm trying to continue to – to, I, I continue to screenshot, but, like, the way that I post, I have to figure out a different way because I'm very behind right now. I'm sorry if you've posted – or if you've tagged me and <laughs> I haven't anyone. She'll get to you. Allison is sorry. She'll get to you. I had a real – like, one of my childhood friends be like, hey, I made your cookies. I tagged you. No repost. <laughs> Like wow. 20 years of friendship, what no, gives? No repost. I'm like, I'm so, I will get to you, I promise. Oh, it would be such a pain yeah. to go back and like find the last one that you didn't do. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, I have a folder now. I have, like, have an intern uh, that helps me with these oh cookies. Yeah, it's really <laughs> it's a, it's a full-time job. So the book came out in October. Yes. So you had, uh, I'm assuming, like a certain, they printed a certain amount. Mm-hmm. And then they had projected sales. Mm-hmm. And then what was November like? It was just everything was 
kind of what they thought it would be? I think so. Yeah, it was it was, I you know, the way that it works now with pre-orders, especially is that people are pre-ordering less because mm. why would you pre-order a book if Amazon will give it to you in a day anyway? Mm-hmm. Right. It's not like you have to. I've never pre-ordered anything in my life. Like, why? I don't know. I just don't see the appeal. But as an author, I'm supposed to tell you all to pre-order. Yeah, but the only books I pre-ordered are for my author friends. Exactly. And the reason you do that is so the publisher can say, oh, there's this much interest already. We're going to project our sales and print this many copies. So pre-orders were fine. They weren't terrible. They weren't amazing. They weren't off the charts. And so they printed what they thought we would sell as a person who doesn't have a blog, who doesn't have a restaurant, who isn't, like, ultra-famous, right? And... The sales, I guess, just really exceeded those numbers. So did the sales, did the spike in sales correlate directly with how much you were seeing the cookies on they Instagram? Did. It did, yeah. I, I mean, I think that, but, you know, it was also people were cooking from it. And I was, people were seeing the other dishes. And I think that that really helped because the cookie recipe has been published online. It's free. People can get it. They don't need to buy the book mm-hmm. if they want to make the cookies, which is great. And, like, thanks to, you know, people like you guys, Eater, and a bunch of other publications showing immense support for this cookie recipe, there's a lot of people that are never going to buy the book because they, what is it, like, why buy the cow and you can get the milk for yeah. free? Or yeah. So, you know, I think that if they liked the recipe, there was something else about it that they that was interesting enough to them that were like, I'm going to invest into this person and these recipes rather than just this one. So Yeah, if the recipe works, they yeah. want to see more. And, I mean, press is great, and if they see... Like, if this cookie must be so popular, there must be something else great, too, is the idea. Mm-hmm. And I hope so. But <laughs> Did you have the idea before this thing blew up to screenshot people who were going to tag you? Is that, no. like, a thing you've seen? No. I had never seen it before. I just started doing it. You're like, why not? Just yeah. do that. I see a lot of people doing it now, so I'm... I've seen people doing it now, and I wonder if you invented a new too. marketing technique. I wonder, too, because I've seen, like, publications start to do it mm-hmm. that didn't do mm-hmm. it before. And they're doing it like in a nicer, better way than I am because I am only one person. But um, and your intern, yeah. Well, and she's gonna be great. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna I'm gonna screenshot the shit oh, out of the internet. So <laughs> <much>. um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I started doing it, and now I see other people doing it. But again, I I'm not paying enough attention to know if someone else has done it before. So I, I don't want to claim that I'm the first person to do that. But yeah, but the power of Instagram. I've never really thought about it in terms of cookbooks, but it's yeah. so huge. Like even for me, I contributed one recipe to the Cherry Bomb cookbook, mm-hmm. and now I get tagged whenever anybody makes yeah. it, and it's just something I had never conceived of. It's happening. amazing. Yeah, and it's this really weird, you know, meeting of something that is a print medium, which is a quote unquote dying medium, right? And it's a book. It's this thing that is not digital at all. We didn't digitize it. There's no like component. There's no app associated with the book. And yet it's become totally Instagram friendly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I guess social media friendly for that reason. But I think it's a way for people to connect to the author. People ask me questions daily. I have also started like a folder of questions and I'm (laughs) that I'm now going to be answering in this newsletter that I started, which I started just because the amount of questions I was getting was just overwhelming. And, you know, sometimes it's, oh, you forgot to put, like, you call for garlic in this pork chop recipe, but you never say when to use it. And I'm like, that's a typo, and I'm very sorry, and you can add it with the funnel. And then sometimes it's, I'm making this chicken. Do you think I can make it with parts instead of a whole chicken? Mm-hmm. And, and while I want to address every single question, especially about cookies, which that's the next newsletter coming out next Wednesday. Uh, which is where great. can people get the newsletter? Um, they can find it on my website, which is allisoneroman.com um, or tinyletter.com backslash allisoneroman. Are you going to do more cookie recipes now? Like, are you thinking of developing more down this route? Well, that's funny. So I just turned in my my you know vague proposal and, and some recipe ideas for book two. 
And <clears throat> I they were wrote, like, just cookies. I wrote like TK <laughs> cookie that will somehow be better than the last cookie <laughs> because it's really hard to think Pressure that I'll ever. On. Yeah. Oh, it's super on. And real, realistically speaking, I'm not going to ever do anything better. I should just quit now. <laughs> um, I should just like go to vet school or something, which is what I thought I'd do when I grew up. You write a fair amount about uh having to make them all the time how often do you actually have to make them i feel like now not, not as much that often. i just did a few events in baltimore and dc and so for all of those events i had made them and you know when i go to an event or something it's oh can you bring the cookies i'm, <laughs> I'm donating some <laughs> cookie dough to a friend's son's school for like their fundraiser oh i'm donating cookies for you know that fundraiser cookies for kids cancer yeah. i'm doing like 600 and something cookies for their cookie giveaway wow. bag and you know it's actually I think made that's by Alison yeah, Roman I, yeah. I never thought about that but like I feel like the dough that you've actually made probably has some value now oh yeah I yeah. could auction that off Damn. maybe just give away a little bit of it with your next cookbook yeah I'm just like how can I monetize these <laughs> yeah. um, how can I send my kids to college on these cookies is really my question but in real in reality I'm not making them all the time just for a period of time I was and I think that forevermore, that will be the thing that is requested of me. Do you think you need something special? Like, do you think you need to have one of these social media plays to have a cookbook that competes online now? Um, I don't know. I mean, when the book came out, I had, like, not that I'm counting, but I had, like, 60-something thousand followers, which I had accumulated over a few years since Instagram started and hadn't really grown, you know, here or there. Mm -hmm. But then now it's, like, 101 and I think a lot of it is because of the cookies. So I don't think that – I think the cookies got me the followers. I don't think the followers got me the cookies, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. I don't think you need social media. Like, Joy Greenspan doesn't – she seems to – I mean, she appears every once in a while, but that's not her MO. She right. doesn't care. Yeah. She's, but, she can be successful without it. And um, there's a lot of bloggers with thousands or, you know, hundreds of followers that don't have a famous cookie recipe. So I don't know what the answer to that question is. If you haven't made the cookies – Make them. Go make them. <laughs> You can find the recipe online or buy the book, Dining In, mm -hmm. and make the cookies plus everything else. It yeah, just including came the pasta back, and the lemon tart. Just came back on Amazon, right? It was sold out for a while? It's sold out again. Oh my so God. It'll be back at the beginning of March. Oof. But you might have to wait a few weeks. You can wait a few weeks or you can support your local bookstore, which is huge. And they've been really supportive of me. And I want to make sure that they're also being supported. Go so. to your bookstore. They probably have it. Yeah. <laughs> Alice Roman, thank you so much for thank coming you. on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now on the upsell, we have Eater's Daniela Galarza, who is going to explain to us how you are seriously effing up if you don't order dessert at a restaurant. With a pastry chef. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. There are some times when you should. There are some important caveats to yep. that. And she's also going to talk a little bit about a fast food ranking, fast food dessert ranking that yeah. she did with our critic, Ryan Sutton. That surprised her a lot. So we couldn't do a dessert episode or a sweets-themed episode without talking to Daniela Galarza, who is our resident sweets expert and a fellow sweet tooth haver. Yeah, I only, I only work here because I, I know. I do that well, right? I only work here because I know you love dessert. <laughs> she, she bribes me with desserts. <laughs> you often will go to a restaurant and order the entire dessert menu. Why? This probably started when I worked um, at a restaurant in New York City called... David Burke Townhouse, and the chef there would order, for his friends, he would order the whole dessert menu and call it the dessert storm. He would, he would come into the kitchen and yell. Oh, like dessert storm. Yes, dessert storm. <laughs> there you go, it. you got it. Dessert storm for table 63. And then 
we everybody in the pastry kitchen would just start like running around getting everything together for the 18 desserts we were going to put out and in the meantime uh, something between 15 and 18 a lot of desserts and in the meantime, he would flicker the lights on and off just what? to make it more of a challenge and more like a storm. That sounds fun. And so. I used to think, this is an awesome idea. Why don't people just order them? And how often do you do it? I'd say at least once a month. Any favorites recently? Deserts. Dessert storm. <laughs> Not always. Sometimes. <laughs> Any recently? Yes. I just went to um, Gramsci Tavern where Mira Ukokovic is making some really fun desserts for the winter time. Cool. Like, what did we have? I think we had 21 desserts. Oh my God. I know. So, when should you not order desserts? Yeah, that's a good point. I, a lot of people think that when they go out to eat with me, I'm always going to order dessert, but there are a few times when I won't. And that's, first, it's it's when most people wouldn't. It's when you're having a terrible time at the restaurants, when you don't like who you're <laughs> sitting with. <laughs> you want to leave. Yes, basically, you want to leave. You'd rather be at home. I mean, my litmus test is would I rather be sitting at home with my dog than sitting in front of this person? <laughs> that is so funny because I've had coworkers say to me, you know, I went out with Daniela and she didn't order dessert. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought she was the dessert person. No, and, but... and it turns out it's just because you didn't like them. Yeah. No, there are a few other reasons. Uh, another possible reason is they don't actually employ a pastry chef. And it's, so it's probably someone from the garde manger section that's making a panna cotta and making some bread pudding. And they're not really putting a lot of thought into it. And so maybe the food is really the star of the show at that restaurant. And so there's no need to really support the pastry chef there. And how can we tell that that is the case? I mean, you can tell if you're looking at the menu and there's only three things on it usually. It's usually going to be a panna cotta, a bread pudding, and a few uh, scoops of ice cream. And they're just purchasing all of that or they're making it in-house, but it's made in big batches and not a lot of thought putting it, put into it. Are there some exceptions? I would say maybe if you know that it's something that they do special. So um, Pasquale Jones does one dessert a night, I believe, and it's just whatever's roasted in their pizza. What, like whatever's fruit, whatever fruit is in season that's roasted in their pizza oven, and so it picks up the char and the smoke of that oven, and it gives the fruit that extra you know, something that makes you want to keep eating it, and they put some ice cream on top, and it's simple but lovely. So if you don't have a pastry chef, at least do mm-hmm. something cool that's a signature. Yeah, at least get a massive brick oven. <laughs> yeah, just put it in no, the No, be thoughtful oven. about it. <laughs> I, think, I think we should support the people that are being thoughtful about it. So what do you, uh, what do you miss by not ordering dessert in a restaurant where they have a dedicated pastry chef? You're missing a whole other element of the dining experience. It's kind of like going and not ordering a drink or going and not ordering a main course even. The restaurant is meant to a restaurant is meant to give you an experience from beginning to end and you want to experience every element of that succession of food and I think dessert leaves you with this with the most important memory. And if they're not doing dessert right, then maybe you've you've got to rethink the whole meal. I think they should be paying attention to everything from the bread they're putting on the table to the wine they're putting on the list to the steak on the menu and to dessert. So you're missing a piece of the story that the restaurant is trying to tell? Yes. Very well put. And you're not really respecting the work of someone who is probably a talented chef working in this place. Yes. When I was working as a pastry chef, one of um, the saddest things was when people didn't order dessert. I worked for some tasting menu places where, like at Gramercy Tavern or La Bernadette, the dessert sales are very high. Pastry chefs talk about percent of dessert sales. And so 
on average across New York, I've read it's around 30 percent. Only 30 percent of diners are ordering dessert. But at a tasting menu place, everyone's getting dessert because it's part of the menu. And you want to work for a place like that because then you get to look into the, the dining room when your dessert has gone out and you get to see people enjoying <laughs> this little sweet something that they thought they didn't have space for or they thought is too pretty to touch. But um, actually, it's a you know beautiful little finish to the meal. Um, I think if you're going to a place that's not a tasting menu restaurant and you're not ordering dessert, you're really crushing the dreams of that pastry Someone's chef. Someone's looking out through a window, just sad yeah. that they can't Yeah, or they're looking at their whole mise en place and they're like, you know, I spent the last 12 hours preparing all of this and I have to throw it away at the end of the night. Is it important to support places that have their own pastry chefs or, or are you just as willing to support a chef who is trying his own thing or her own thing in dessert? No, I mean, I think you got to think about it in terms of when you think about labor in the restaurant industry, that is a role, that is a cost to a business. And if they have, if the restaurateur investor has decided, we are going to put this person on payroll, we're going to put at least one person that is dedicated to making this one area on our payroll, they're willing to invest in it as long as people are going to pay for it. And so if people stop ordering, ordering dessert, they're going to let that person go. And you don't want to lose that job. And it and it does happen anecdotally hmm. that a lot of the people that work in pastry are women. And a lot of those women might lose their jobs. So I, I like to support them. So, so you would rather go to Lake Kuku over Pasquale Jones, like, if you had the choice. Because I know well, Lake Kuku being the place with the pastry chef and Pasquale Jones being, being the, the one with a very does. chefy, delicious yeah. uh, dessert, but without a pastry chef. Correct. I would because I know that they've got this extra person on payroll and I want to support that person. Huh. So it's almost like if we stop ordering dessert as a society, if we order fewer and fewer desserts, there will be less and less money to support the role of pastry chef. And ultimately, there will be less and less innovation in the field of pastry. That is correct, especially in small independent restaurants because that's where the innovation is happening. At the big hotels, there will always be a huge pastry staff. And at restaurants, fine dining restaurants that have that tasting menu and there's always going to be at least one dessert on that tasting menu, they're going to have a huge staff and they're going to be able to support them. But that's a really small segment of the population that's able to go to those places. And so if you're not supporting the smaller independent restaurants that are employing at least one pastry chef, you're not supporting the pastry arts. That's an yeah. important point for me because I am that I'm that annoying person who you I'll never like, order dessert. <clears throat> no, I'll this is this is where I'm going to save my calories or this is where yeah, I'm going to yeah uh, make this meal a little bit healthier. But I am also someone who at at other times like I want to order all the desserts. I'm just as interested in the world of desserts as I am in the world of savory. So by skimping on the desserts and you know trying to salvage some some gorging. I'm actually hurting the world of pastry as a whole. Yeah, you could never ju- thought about you that. You could just have one, you know, less or just one fewer piece. Get of it steak. to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. just bring like it for don't my eat as much with your main course. Something to think about, Dan. Yeah. So even if you think you are too full, or you don't really want dessert, just get it. My mother's hack is she orders it to go if she's too full and has it for breakfast the next day. Ooh, well, places do that. If I'm at a fancy restaurant, is that? I don't know, offensive to anybody? No, you should do whatever you want. So what are you seeing across the board in 2018 dessert culture? I'm seeing, you know, we're still continuing the seasonal dessert trends. People are still into the old Americana with lots of pies and donuts but um, and cheesecakes. But I think something I'm a little dismayed about is a lot of 
plant-focused food, and that includes desserts. A lot Ooh. of vegan desserts oh, no. are trending. There's a lot of vegan dessert cookbooks coming out, and I don't – I look, I am not against any dietary restrictions or, you know, if people have specific dietary needs, that's obviously important. Um I just I just happen to love butter, and I think if people are sort of like limiting their dietary intake at this at like not because of diet health reasons, but because they're trying to lose I weight. don't know lose weight or just like I don't know trying to be good. There's a lot of discussion like people I hate when people describe dessert as decadent or wicked or evil like these these um, adjectives that they use to describe really chocolatey things. Like I just think we shouldn't have there shouldn't be morality in this. It's just like you should do what feels right for your body. Well, um, these vegan desserts have sugar still. Yeah, it's they're still like, going to have sugar. It's not like a salad. Right. And they're not necessarily bad, but I I don't think dessert is a place where you should have too many restrictions except for maybe the amount you eat. Maybe you shouldn't eat an entire cake. Any other fun sh- trends you're seeing pastry chefs tackle? Um, you know, what I'd like to see go away maybe is the cookie plate. I think there's too many oh. cookie plates out there. I like the ones – I like some of them, but I think some of them are just like afterthoughts. And so maybe we can come up with something else. I also love pedophores, Um and I think pedophores I think as fewer and fewer people can afford the really nice tasting menu restaurants, we're losing sight of that little that – little, that artistry of making really tiny desserts. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the fast food dessert ranking that you've just completed? <laughs> Oh my gosh, Ryan Sutton and I crawled all over New York to find fast food restaurants, desserts, and made ourselves sick eating lots of soft serve and milkshakes. Um, it was intense. It was a lot of fun. I don't know how he does these. He, he does these fast food rankings periodically throughout the year. I don't know how his body survives it. <laughs> lots but of we, biking. Lots of biking, but we really... We covered a lot of ground. Some days we went to four places, and you can feel the sugar coursing through your veins or your blood. It's just like there's this buzz, and I almost felt like I was electrified sometimes. <laughs> it didn't. It did, In yeah. a way, you didn't feel doing the research for the bakeries. Not at all. No. Huh. I think there's something to high fructose corn syrup and wow. <laughs> those other invert sugars that they're using. The food scientists know what they're doing. Um We are closing in on edits for that, and I'm excited for it to come out. One of the surprising things that we found was that we were – I don't want to give too much away, but we were nostalgic for a few things, and not everything lived up to our memory, our taste Mm. memory of what it used to be. So you went in thinking this certain blizzard or cookie or whatever is going to really – McFlurry is going to blow us away, and then you go, and it's maybe not as good as you thought. It was, yeah, that and compared to a thing I thought I didn't like, um, it's not as good, and I like the other thing better. We mm. like the other thing. Better. Can you give us away? Can you give us any uh, any standings? What was the what was the what came out on the bottom? Oh man, Burger King desserts are uniformly bad. Wow, everything on that menu is very very bad. It's so so sweet. It's soggy. I don't think I've had a Burger King dessert. What do they have? They have a lot of pies, which they package in triangular boxes that are designed to hold them exactly. And I think that the boxes are also, like, conduct heat so that they can heat them up. So if they're hot pies like the apple, they can heat them up in the box. And then you can kind of peel open the top, and it um, rips off like a coupon. It, like, rips off on these um, 
corrugated edges and then you eat it right out of there and everything is just limp because it sort of like steams in there but even the cold pies there's like a snickers pie um there's another chocolate pie there's maybe a butter finger pie and you so you want like the butter finger is like crunchy you want that crunch nothing is crunchy Mm. and it's all very very sweet it's like so sweet we couldn't finish anything i know there is some discussion of what even qualified Mm -hmm. tell us about that Ryan was really, really fighting to have Cinnabon on there. He is a sucker for Cinnabon. And I I think Cinnabon's great, but both um, cinnamon buns and donuts, neither cinnamon buns nor donuts made it onto that list because we considered them breakfast meal replacements rather than Mm. desserts. You're not going to eat a donut after you have a burger, for example. Did Shake Shack count? We did do Shake Shack. I, I was not totally on board with that since they don't have nearly as many locations mm-hmm. as the other places we went mm-hmm. to. And so they're able to focus a little bit more on locally sourced things. And I've always loved the concrete. And actually, that is a good example of a thing that I thought was going to end up higher on the list. And it's it's not as high as I thought. Ooh. I assumed I would go in and Shake Shack would be the top. But and not. then you'd have to talk about whether or not it counted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. really interesting. Does Taco Bell still have those cinnamon twists? They do. And that's on the list. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so... Our listeners will be able to read this definitive ranking of fast food desserts on Eater.com when? Beginning of March. Beginning of March. I'm also saying this because I'm trying to hold these people to deadlines. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the work is done here. The work has been done. We just got to publish it. Maybe you should it. just spill the beans right here and not worry <laughs> and about it. No. Well, and then they'll have to run it <laughs> before Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and support your pastry chefs. Support your pastry chefs. If you want to keep desserts going because they'll die. They might. And now, on the Eater Upsell, we have... Drumroll, please. Joe House ranking Manhattan's best chocolate chip cookie. If you are not familiar with the House of Carbs podcast, please go and listen to it now. It is so much fun. I'm a huge fan. To Joe. Do it. Amanda, we are sitting here with Joe House of Legend. House of Carbs. Mashup! <laughs> a little mashup. And uh, in honor of any good true mashup, we are sitting recording the Eater Upsell! <laughs> good day. How was that? Yeah, well, that, that was good. A little more from the diaphragm at the top, but otherwise. Ah, there you go. No, I don't have any criticism with that. Let's, let's get talk to about, cookies. Let's talk about cookies. Too, but we put together uh, a bracket of what I think are the iconic eight. New York cookies, ranging in price, ranging in uh, in highfalutinness. Mm-hmm. Mm. And since Joe is from D.C., he is not super familiar with any of these cookies, yeah. so he's the perfect impartial judge. Let me first ask ground rules. Are we allowed to curse on this podcast? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Can yes. I tell you why? I don't think we've ever said this on the air before. Why? Because the red E for explicit Dude. is our oh, logo. Oh, yeah, so yeah. we might as well. We have to. <laughs> it really <laughs> is your logo. The we red gotta, E is explicit. We gotta, well, we, let, me, let, me, swear. let me tell you, this is a great fucking surprise. Yeah. Thank you so much. I had no idea that this was going to be sitting here right. awaiting me. There are eight beautiful mother effing cookies of all walks of life here. There's varying thicknesses. There's varying perfect circle versus, uh, you know, misshapen Mm -hmm. uh, orb. We have one here that is uh, primarily sort of chocolate looking. (laughs) It's a a beautiful display. Um, I'm very happy. The chocolate one's my fault because I, uh, that one came through Postmates and I I got the I just want to thank both of you for taking me through um, this this chocolate chip experience Mm -hmm. and, and helping me lose my New York chocolate chip virginity. <laughs> so we're, we're here for you. Thank yeah. you. We are here for you. Dan, where do you want him to start? 
Okay, so the first seed is Levain. Uh, Levain. Sure. It's an Upper West Side institution. I think it's been there for like 30 years, mm-hmm. something like that. A long time. It's a huge fan base. Huge it's fan a, base. There's a, a lineup mound, every morning. Mound shaped cookie. Yeah. It really is. It's a. Mm-hmm. It's the by far the um, thickest. Yep. Uh, side note about Levain Eater video. We always try to film things there, and they notorious. They always say no. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. Well, still, you gave them the one seat. Now they. Now they know. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. I'm, yeah, I just want <laughs> what I can't have. All right. <laughs> hey, Levain, can we film? Okay. Um, am I gonna, going am I up taking against a bite? Pret-a-Manger, That is the lunch staple. British chain that is now also in the United States. It's kind of the dark horse, maybe. We because have some these people in love, Washington. We have yeah, Pret yeah, in, in DC. Yeah. People love the Pret cookie. I didn't so know. I don't think it might not stand up to these boutique cookies, but if it does, what a story. Can I tell you? Um it is by appearance the most traditional. It yeah. does it does look like, you know, they there's some uniformity to what's going on here. I was just gonna say, if you didn't know it was the eight seed, just based on the visual appearance, it could be a contender. Yeah. Well, it, it would it, be a contender because it feels like closest to home. Mm-hmm. Like uh, this this yeah. these yeah. might come off my mom's cookie it's sheet. Very accessible looking yeah. cookie. Yeah. All right, All right, so let's do it. Go for it. What do you think? I got kind of a pudding vibe out of it, a little mm-hmm. bit of a chocolate pudding vibe out of yeah. it. Yeah, it is not in any way, shape, or form um, what my mind thinks of when it comes to chocolate chip cookies. Nope. It's a delicious cookie. It's a delicious chocolate cookie. Mm-hmm. I would like it as a dessert. I can tell you right now, it's not going to win this battle today. Ooh. Wow! The one seed is going to lose. I'm just telling you right now. They seem. It, I, it, love, it, I, love it, good, I love a good upset. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pret. Let's go. Let's do Pret. Yeah, I don't think number eight's going to win either. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. It, it's it's just, fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's a workday cookie. One moves on. Insomnia versus Black Fox. Insomnia versus Black Fox. Where are these these places? So, so Black Fox is a coffee shop that is very close to our office in Financial District. Okay. Uh, it is kind of a, it is a local favorite. Care has been taken. This is a cookie where... Somebody has paid attention to the elements of it. They paid attention to the cooking time, and I, it's it's a pretty sophisticated uh, bite of cookie. Mm. It is. It looks like there's multiple layers of chocolate chips. They're melty. Okay, next. So Insomnia is, I believe, a chain within New York. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've expanded outside. Um, it's at open this point. very late. Open very late. Uh, Big favorite open, They open near college campuses to appeal to the stoners. Yeah. Oh, that's smart. And they mm-hmm. deliver. They deliver well into the wee hours of the morning. Yeah, hence the name, Insomnia. Mm-hmm. I will mm-hmm. say, um, I haven't taken a bite yet. This is going to be a strong contender for me because I, I tend to like, I haven't taken a bite, but I'm just telling you, I like the visual appeal of it. It's thin, and I'm a thin, crunchy, cookie kind of fellow. Mm-hmm. And I also love the piece that I have. Um, it is apparent that the... Chip had some meltiness to it, so it's got a little bit of a drip angle to it, and I'm it's a, it's appealing. So let me get this bite. If Insomnia beats Black Fox, I'm going to be really, really, really upset. You can't you can't influence the judge. Like I'm not that. influencing. I'm, I'm sure that doesn't. There's no danger. Okay, <laughs> Black Fox is better. Okay. Phew. Phew. Insomnia is good. Insomnia is good At two in though. the morning. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, especially if you're a Stone College kid at yeah. NYU, it's like yeah. the perfect thing. I get the appeal. All right, four. That's four cookies. Five versus six. Six is Dominique Ansel, famed famed uh, cronut creator. Famed cronut creator should be able to make a good cookie. Should I be assume. able to make a good cookie. You'd, you'd hope so. Mm-hmm. Joe, do you know anything about Dominique Thank Ansel? You. Nothing. You don't know about, but I'm sure you know the cronut. 
Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cronut's universal. I don't even know what to call this. This is mid-thickness, right? Mm-hmm. It's in the in the what I'll characterize as kind of that saucer variety. Yeah. It's it's got a big spread, big circumference. How much is that cookie? That cookie I think was a was a four dollar cookie. Mm. I don't want to say a word about um, about Dominique. Dominique on sale until I have some breads. Okay. I'm gonna I want to make sure I do a fair compare and contrast. Amanda so breads. Breads is a bakery. I think there's a few in New York now. It's an Israeli baker. They hit the scene uh, with their chocolate babka, which mm-hmm. people are very obsessed with. I'm, I've won the best dishes in the I same. love that chocolate babka. The very first bite that I got, and I don't know if it is an ingredient, an actual ingredient in the bread's cookie, or if it has to do with the handling, but I got the distinct taste of marijuana. <laughs> and I don't think it was because we were just talking about insomnia, mm-hmm. although maybe that, that registered my palate in a certain way. But I'm telling you... I'm going to have to take another bite from the, the other bread's cookie that's sitting here mm-hmm. to, make sure Just to make sure that I didn't get a pot cookie. Mm-hmm. We didn't dose him with No, it we didn't dose him. <laughs> I'm open to dosing. Coming up to New York, Eater headquarters. Thanks for having me on your show. <laughs> Here's some drugs. Boom. <laughs> Surprise. There's an ingredient in there that, that triggers my Which my is not a taste. good thing, right? And by the it's way, not what you want. You don't want to surprise it. It is not. And I, um, I'm not a big... Um, Consumer of of the marijuana. Mm-hmm. Not I don't no, no judgment. It's just not my thing. Not to to suggest that breads did that. Yeah, Let, let's be clear. We're not, <laughs> not saying sued by we're not saying that breads did that. Just for whatever they reason, they just have a yeah. weird a weird flavor. Going there is on. an ingredient in that breads cookie, and you know I want to choose the breads cookie over the Dominique Ansel because I love the crunchiness and the mm-hmm. crags yeah. of the breads. But I, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. I'm going without Dominique. Uh, for, for me, for me. Yeah. Are and, we, for, uh, and for the listeners, I, I, I agree that it's better, but it's also not, I don't think it's going to win this one, the Dominique Ansel. No, neither like of those, neither it's, of a little, it's a little bland compared to the other guys. We're, we're all in agreement on that. Okay, three versus four. Three is Gabrielle Cruther. It is a fancy restaurant in Bryant Park that uh, the, the chef, I believe, was at the Modern for a long yeah. time, three or two or seven Michelin stars or something. Anyway, this is an offshoot, a bakery offshoot of his restaurant. Mm. I really like it's the it. The crunchiest. It is the crunchiest, and that I, I already confess that's a, a straightway pathway to my vote. You can kind of tell this, this is an expensive cookie too, mm-hmm. right? Like how it, much? It seems like, yeah. What, what are they charging for this I can, one? I think this one might be five actually. Whoa, five bucks for a cookie? Just one? You only get one for five bucks? Uh, and a and a box. Did you see the box this thing came in? <laughs> No, oh, nice. That's a Jew- like purple jewelry box. Oh, oh. Huh. I'm not right. paying five bucks for a cookie. No. I'm happy to have somebody else pay for it. Mm-hmm. I could expense it on House of Carbs, maybe. That's a, that it's, might be the thing. It's research. All right, we need culture. A, culture. Attack, yeah. Culture is culture has uh, a beautiful box. Oh, this is a this is a gooey ooh, cookie. It's very gooey. I, can, I can't even really. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's falling apart. This ooh, this, this is going to be okay. Here, what do you want? You want no, the big part? No, this is good, and I'll okay. give this one to Dan. Well, I can give Dan another part. Nah, that's fine. It's fine. Oh yeah, culture is um a hip coffee shop. Culture versus Kreuter. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> it's culture for me. Whoa! Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that's the four seed. I don't. Yeah. Even though, as soon as I broke it in the middle, nearly the whole thing fell apart <laughs> because of the gooiness of the inside. You, you juggle it and shove it, you mm-hmm. know, get it in there. Oh, my gosh. What an experience. Yeah, it's incredible how they keep it all together like that. The outside crunchy-ish mm-hmm. edges, not not fully crunchy. So we have a final four. We have a final four. Mm-hmm. What do you? How do you want to? Well, I feel like Levain versus Black Fox. I'm guessing, Joe, you 
You're going to go Black Fox? I am going to go Black yeah. Fox. I mean, you know, we'll have to do this again with Levane, whatever their straight down the middle chocolate chip offering is. Yeah. But well, is we're going to do a redo once we get the real chocolate chip. Is it going to come in the same it's form? It'll still be a mound. It'll still be the same, same texture. It's I, just going to be less chocolate. It still would probably lose them yeah. to me. It's it's not. It's just too far afield mm-hmm. of, of, a, of, a, of a chocolate chip vibe for me. Culture versus Dominique Ansel? is easy culture. I agree with that. We, we don't even have to hesitate. All right, so the real contest, Joe House, is Black Fox versus culture. That's a two two seed against a four seed. Mm-hmm. So Which that kind of makes sense. That That's makes fair. Sense. We're on the top half of the bracket. Yeah, it's a surprising result, but um, two hipster New York coffee shops. Yeah, I was just going to ask mm-hmm. you. That's that. That's where the, their their uh, their birthplace is. The is mm-hmm. the hipster coffee shop. Yeah. Okay. So that makes their and and what's the price point for these two guys? Not that it matters to my taste buds. So the culture are three. I have the culture one. The culture are three twenty five. Like that. That's a very mm-hmm. fair. Sorry, cookie three dollars. See, that's for a, this much cookie. Yeah, that's a strong mm-hmm. cookie price. And, and Black, Black Fox? Fox. I know it was more. Black Fox is 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 flirting with four. It might be more than four. I'm mm-hmm. going to take a teeny tiny bite of each okay. for this final because I I want to make sure we get it right. Or I want okay. I want to get it right. Yeah, you're you are the this guest is, judge. This is, Black Fox, right? is this one Black Fox? Or is this Those one? are Black Fox. Yeah. I have a great bite in front of me. It's it's a, a perfect combination. There, it looks like it's kind of four layers. I have cr- crunchy cookie, chocolate yeah. chip, not as crunchy cookie, chocolate chip, <laughs> and then a little more of a crunchy layer. So I'm happy about what what's well, staring me in the face. There is a lot of layering I like in this one. Okay, that's good. It reinforced <laughs> my um, my initial impression of the Black Fox. That was a good quality. A affirming bite. I'm not going to give an opinion yet. Mm-hmm. Can we? Hold, these no. are, are, are. Are we playing with world class cookies here? As far as I'm concerned, yeah, I mean, yeah. these are no, outstanding. We're asking you, yeah, yeah, these are outstanding cookies. I haven't done. Maybe I need to do a cookie tour in Washington. I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have one more bite of culture. Okay. You can hear the crunch. Mm-hmm. We're about to crown. Crown the winner. Manhattan's best. Chocolate chip cookie, the Eater House of Carved Mashup. Number one grand prize winner is Culture. Wow. wow. All right. I, really I, would, I would agree. I really I agree. enjoyed it. Yep. I, I was so surprised. Like I said, when we, that the first react, I cracked that thing open and I, I couldn't hold like, on to it. But it was, it was disintegrating, but it was disintegrating so beautifully. So many delicious bites in there. I didn't want one, one uh, uh, crumb to leave my hands. I had to form a delicious basket. Ah, beautiful. The folks of Culture will be will be glad. I think we're a little disappointed in that because our office used to be next to Culture and now it's next to Black Fox. Well, <laughs> trying it again it reminds me how good that cookie is. Mm-hmm. It is a better cookie. And you guys are, are still winners. Black Fox we is still, outstanding. We still have a great, great cookie. We're still winners. We're still, we're still, still winners. winners. Thanks, Joe House. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Always. Thank you, oh so much, for listening to this episode of The Eater Upsell. That was Allison Roman, author of Dining In. You can find her on Instagram at Allison Roman. Joe House, House from at House from DC. Daniela Galarza at Super Daniela. Good job. Thanks. He's not even looking at notes. Yeah, note free. You just, just memorize that. I hope it's right. Yeah, me too. If you liked the episode, it would be very helpful if you rated it, subscribed to it, tossed it around to a bunch of your friends. Help it go viral like Allison Roman's cookie recipe. Cookie. And we will be back next week with some more content. The Eater Upsell is hosted by Eater's editor in chief, Amanda Clute, and me, Daniel Janine. 
Our studio team is Miles Yule, Paige Bethman, Carrie Clements, Alex Allreich, and Pedro Alvira, the executive producer of the whole shebang. Is that a word I can say? Sure. The whole shebang is Maureen Giannone Fitzgerald. And that is all the people we have to thank. Thank you to the whole... Nah, that's it. <laughs>